You're listening to the Ready for Departure podcast, written and presented by Microlight student pilot Steve Middleton. Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Ready for Departure podcast. This week, I'd like to talk to you about navigation. In order to qualify for the MPPL, that's the National Private Pilot's Licence I've been working towards for the past year and a half, the student pilot needs to complete a minimum of five hours of total navigation flight time, as well as three hours of solo navigation flight time. In addition, the student is required to complete two qualifying cross-country flights. Each solo qualifying cross-country flight must have a minimum total flight distance of 40 nautical miles and a landing at another site which is at least 15 nautical miles away from the takeoff site. The two solo qualifying cross-country flights must be flown over different routes and to different sites. There is also a navigation written exam that must be taken. I did talk about this briefly in episode 2 so I'd highly recommend listening to that podcast if you haven't already. This episode will primarily focus on the flight training and actual qualifying cross-country flights themselves. Now, before my instructor chucked me in at the deep end, we did some navigation training together where I planned a flight from my home base, Spartan, via two or three waypoints and then returned to our starting point. We didn't land away anywhere else on our first navigation training flights. My instructors have designed some neat little navigation routes that come with their own complexities, but nevertheless provide an excellent introduction to navigation. The first of these is what we affectionately call the small triangle. It involves taking off from Barton, flying to the Reebok Stadium, a VRP that football fans will recognise as the home of Bolton Wanderers Football Club, then heading south towards Lee Flash, a large lake in Lancashire which also happens to be in the Manchester Low Level Corridor where controlled airspace starts at 1,300 feet. Not wanting to bust into Manchester Airport's Class D airspace, nor fall foul of the 1,000 foot rule, this makes for an effective test of holding a set altitude. I flew the small triangle with my instructor a couple of times and then was let loose to fly it on my own. As each loop around the small triangle only takes around 20 minutes to complete and can be conducted without really needing to refer to a map, I found this exercise was really good at honing my accurate heading and altitude skills which I knew I needed for good navigation flying. The small triangle also offered me a chance to do two or three overhead joins at Barton with all the necessary calls. Great practice and actually great fun to be out of the circuit and doing some actual flying. Once I'd done the small triangle a few times, including a couple of sessions solo, it was time to move on to the big triangle. For this, a map is absolutely essential, and this is also where the paper manual planning and calculations come into play. By the time I'd got to this point in my training, I'd subscribed to the excellent Skydemon software, which can plan flights automatically on iPads, iPhones and PCs. Skydemon is definitely not allowed when planning nav flights. It all must be done the way it was taught in a classroom and using the same processes that were used in the written nav exam. This involves drawing out the triangle of velocities using just a map, a ruler and a protractor. The angles for each waypoint of the flight are measured, the predicted wind taken off form 214 as provided by the Met Office and the appropriate track adjustment made to take account of the wind. It took me ages to really crack these calculations and just when I'd got it for the exam, I then went and forgot it all by the time I came to do my actual nav flight planning. Eventually, after much practice, I finally got my head around how to do the calculations and stupid mistakes such as measuring the wind from the opposite direction became a thing of the past. I planned the big triangle the night before and turned up at the flying school classroom with my calculations, which were checked by my instructor on Skydemon. Typically, the calcs will often be out by one or two degrees just due to the fact that I can't always draw a perfect line every time, but this time they were close enough, so off we went to fly the actual route using my calcs. The route I took with my instructor was Barton to Pole Hill, which is a VOR DME beacon which aids in aircraft navigation. The beacon looks a bit like a trampoline from the air. Once I'd found Pole Hill, which took quite some effort on my part since I found the accurate flying was a really high workload for me, 
I was then tasked to move on to the next waypoint, which was the disused airfield at Bursko. I had to be prompted by my instructor to keep looking at big features on my map and then correlating them with what I could see out the window. I admit, I found this another huge leap. The workload was extremely high. I seem to remember I didn't really find the disused airfield at Bursko until I was right on top of it. I should have been looking for it a lot earlier, but I find it I did. The final leg was probably the easiest for me since I spent a lot of my lessons in that general area and once I can see the Windsor Hill radio mast, I know I'm nearly home. In good weather, you can see Winter Hill from 10 or 15 miles away. I remember my instructor saying that most people have difficulty with the big triangle the first time round, but it's a necessary evil to understand just what is involved in good navigation. I found it a huge eye-opener. Just when I thought I could fly, I find I have this whole new skill that I have to learn. I think we flew it a second time. This time, because of the weather and visibility, I seem to remember I planned it and flew it the opposite way around. Barton to Bursko, then Pole Hill, then back to Barton. And I also spent a bit of time beforehand watching the route on Google Earth to get a feel for the features I would fly over and should look out for to confirm my position. After the big triangle it was time to move on to preparation for my qualifying cross country flights. So I was asked by my instructor to plan a flight from Barton to Blackpool Airport and back again. We flew this together a couple of months ago and I remember that while I found the navigation side of it okay, what I hadn't banked on was the high workload that comes with the radio work that accompanies a nav flight. Part of the route from Barton to Blackpool involves making contact with Wharton Lars and requesting a mats penetration, something I had thus far only done in a classroom. This time it was for real. In addition, it was a particularly busy day and I know I definitely missed at least three radio calls where Wharton Radar called me to warn about other traffic in my immediate vicinity. I also remember that my altitude varied quite a bit and both of those were again because I was starting to become overloaded with all the different tasks I was having to do simultaneously. Poor weather meant that it was only yesterday that conditions were good enough at Barton, along the way, and at Blackpool for me to make the trip solo. In between, while I'd been waiting for good weather, I'd flown the small triangle solo a few times, and that had helped to consolidate my confidence and keep my radio calls and overhead joins up to a good standard. I planned the Blackpool trip using the manual process I had been taught on the morning of the flight and arrived at the flying school ready to have my calcs checked out by my instructor. As luck would have it, he was on his way back from Blackpool with another student and was able to tell me what the conditions were like and check my calculations on Skydemon. The counts were all fine, however, Blackpool was very busy. There was word that aircraft were being made to orbit in the circuit to enable spacing out of the landings and to make matters worse, they were not using the same runway as was in use when I was there with my instructor. I was already a bit nervous, so that didn't help. On the upside, with it being a weekend, Wharton radar was closed, so that meant I did not have to worry myself with requesting a max penetration, or need to make that extra change in radio frequencies. I planned to stick with Barton until I was halfway to Blackpool and then change the Blackpool approach on the radio, listening out initially, before calling them up. One of the last things I needed to do before climbing in the aircraft was to call Blackpool Airport for PPR. This stands for Prior Permission Required. Gave them the aircraft call sign, told them it was a training flight with my expected arrival time, 12 o'clock, and also booked back out at the same time. We're closed between 11.30am and 12 o'clock, said the air traffic controller. Don't be early. It seems that Blackpool was short-staffed and only had one controller on duty. I thought, given the flight time, roughly 25 minutes, and the time it was going to take me to get airborne and out of the circuit, I'd definitely be there after 12. At 10 minutes to 12, I was at Southport. Damn. I've made really good time, so I decided to do an orbit before Southport over some nice green and empty fields and then flew towards Southport Pier. As I flew over the pier I decided that I'd better do another orbit so anyone watching me on Flight Radar 24 or similar, now you have your explanation for all those circles. I glanced at my watch it was just before 12, as near as damn it I thought, so I gave Blackpool a call as I approached their ATZ. 
Blackpool approach, Golf, Charlie Delta, Oscar Alpha, request join. Silence. Then another pilot came on the radio. I think it'll be another two minutes yet, he said. I patrolled down and up the coast for a little, for a couple of minutes. Even the Helimed Alpha on emergency calls didn't get a response on the radio and had to make blind calls. Eventually, as my watch struck 12, Blackpool started answering the calls again and I was able to get my join call in. Join crosswind for runway 28, number 3. Alright, that was not too bad. I was set up for a crosswind join because I was coming from the south, and I'm used to a busy circuit at Barton, so having two ahead of me was fairly normal for me. When I made my downwind call, I was informed that the aircraft ahead of me was a PA-28 joining on base leg, from the north. Yep, that's right, the controller had put us on a potential collision course. After a few nervous moments, I spotted the PA-28 coming in from the north and ensured to slot behind him, giving him loads of room, or so I thought. The runway is very long at Blackpool, and as we were using 2.8, that meant taxiing its full length in order to vacate and get off towards the apron. I'm on final, initially I don't bother calling, I'm watching the PA-28 trundling along and start to think about a go-around, but then I remember my instructor saying that ATC were allowing aircraft to land while others were still on the runway. I decide to call final to see what happens. Continue approach. Okay, not a disaster, I carry on. Just as the PA-28 starts to turn off the taxiway, which I later discover is actually runway 31, I get the coveted clear to land. Excellent. Just the notorious Blackpool crosswind to cope with now. I think we established last week just how much I love crosswind landings. I was initially a bit high, but the Pappy lights helped me sort it out. The flare was a bit too high as well, but I just carried on flying it down the runway and managed to sort it out. The crosswind landing was fairly good. I got my interwind airline sorted and straightened it out just before touchdown. It was not bad, not perfect, but safe and I was reasonably happy with it. Take the third turning on the right. Well, that made no sense. I had the taxiway map in front of me now. I was expecting either the first right or the second right. I started to question clarify the directions, but then I could see waiting traffic on taxiway Bravo, so I think I tried to say disregard, but by that time the controller had repeated instructions, third turning on the right, take runway 3-1 to the end. Ah yes, this all makes sense, I can see where I'm supposed to go now. So that was 50% of it done, and I was feeling pretty happy about it. After paying my landing fee and taking advantage of the facilities at Blackpool, it was time to fly the route in reverse, back towards home. I studied the taxiway map before making the radio call, and that was definitely a smart idea, as it all made sense when the controller gave me my taxi instructions. Now, last time I was at Blackpool, I got my departure instructions while I was at the hold. This gave me time to write them down and read them back, as well as understand them. Not this time. Fire Echo 2, line up runway 28. Shall I backtrack? I don't really need 2,000 metres of runway, but it's good practice to use all the available runway. I probably need about a third of this full runway length at most. As I enter the active runway, the radio bursts into life with Golf Oscar Alpha, left turn out after takeoff, surface wind 160 degrees 8 knots cleared for takeoff. Okay then, no backtracking for me, he wants me gone. I go for it. Cleared for takeoff, left turn out, Golf Oscar Alpha. And up we go. In all honesty, the return journey was uneventful. While visibility was a bit hazy, as I mentioned earlier, once I can see Winter Hill and then the Reebok, I don't need a map to navigate home. It was a successful qualifying cross-country flight, which, while I had a couple of curveballs in for fun, was relatively stress-free. I did find I was quite tired after the flight because while it was stress-free, I did find I'd been concentrating quite hard. There's probably lots more to be said about navigation, and I think I will return to this subject once I've qualified and flown to some new locations without going there with an instructor first. I'd also like to compare how I've flown using just a map versus Sky Demon. And that's it for this episode of Ready for Departure podcast. I hope you found this topic interesting. I'd love to hear how you got on with your navigation flights. 
I still have one navigation flight to complete before qualifying, so listen out for that in a future episode. Feel free to get in touch via email, Twitter or Facebook. Details are on the website. Safe flying and do join me for the next episode. See you next time. Don't forget, if you want to participate in future episodes of this podcast, please get in touch and it would be great to hear the views of other students, fully qualified pilots or even instructors. Thanks for listening to the Ready for Departure podcast. Music was by Josh Woodward and Chris Zabriskie. You can find out more and get in touch at readyfordeparture.uk.